One day a man came to Jesus and asked him what the most important lesson in truth of the Bible was. And he said, we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's the essence of Christianity. It's the essence of the law and of the prophets. Jesus was telling this man that it is about how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. In other words, Christian life is about relationships. Do you have a love relationship with God? And do you have a love relationship toward other people and with other people? I want to give you two truths today to confront a nasty culture. Now, how many of you would agree that we live in a nasty culture? I mean, it's just nasty. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's mean-spirited. It's wicked. And the only person that's rejoicing over our culture being this way is the devil. No Christian should have joy over what is happening in our culture. You can be right, but you ought to be right in the right way. Not just in whatever way you want to be. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciple, that you love one another. Now, Jesus didn't say you've got to memorize the whole Bible. But he did imply you ought to live like you know it and like you've read it. And so I want us to look at these two truths today. And if we can practice these truths, then we can learn how to live as salt and light in a very nasty culture that we are a part of today. The response of kindness. The response of kindness. Kindness is in many ways an act of love. It's love in action. It's practical. Now, kindness is not looked on kindly by everybody. In fact, most men would say these two traits, kindness and gentleness, well, that's, that's, that's being like a woman. No, that's being like Jesus. Grow up. Kindness and gentleness is being like Jesus. It's not a feminine trait. It's a godly trait. It is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we don't want to be kind and we don't want to be gentle that God says, show the world that you're different by how you react to it. It's loyal love. Here's one definition of it. It is distinct from mercy and compassion, but intermingled with the thought of grace. Kindness is moral goodness that enables us to be kind to one another. The way we look at life, the way we look at other people. Uh, Terry and I, uh, the other night, watched the movie Same Kind of Different as Me, which is a phenomenal story of a homeless man who is taken in and loved on by this Christian couple and how God changes them and him because of kindness. It's something that's lacking in our culture today. The video that you just saw is right. You can have all the t-shirts and read all the books and read all the Christian fiction and all the Christian theology books, but if you can't be kind, your Christianity is not worth much because God has called us 
to be his hands and his feet in this world that is dirty and messed up and mean. And yet we are to be different. Colossians 3.12 So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Now I want you to notice that in that verse is the phrase put on. It means to get dressed in this, to take something off and put something on. And so what he tells us to do is to dress ourselves spiritually with goodness and compassion and kindness and humility and patience. Now, here's the question we ought to ask ourselves. What do I need to put on when I go to work tomorrow? I didn't ask you what uniform you need to wear or what shirt or shoes you want to wear. I'm asking you more about the attitude. What attitude do I need to put on tomorrow for my family, for my children, for my spouse, for the people that I work with, for the people that I go to school with? What should I put on? I love this quote from Charles Lowry. Not only is kindness an attribute of God, the attitude of God's people, but also kindness is the attraction of Christianity. The attraction of Christianity. So we've been saved, we ought to dress appropriately. Uh, we, we put on the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, but we're also to put on these attitudes. So let's just talk about them real quickly. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, we are to put on compassion. That's our attitude toward others. Our attitude toward others. We're to put on kindness, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. We're to put on humility in a world that admires and applauds arrogance and pride and haughtiness. We are to put on humility. Jesus, it says, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Why? Because he humbled himself. Now listen, if God in flesh can walk in humility, there's no excuse for us not to walk in humility. So we are to put on humility, gentleness, power under control. Gentleness, the word means a soothing wind or a healing medicine. We are gentle in a world that has a lot of sharp edges. Patience or long temper. We don't have to have a short fuse. Now, if we're to put on that, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want you to see what we're to put off. Because if we're to put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, then we've got to take something off. Some of us think we can put on certain things without putting off certain things. You, you can't mix these two. Something has to be put off, taken off. 1 Peter 2, 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, 
like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tested the kindness of the Lord. I put on certain things and I put off certain things because I have experienced and tested the kindness of the Lord. We are to show a lost world what Christ does in people's lives. Therefore, we cannot be thin-skinned or easily offended. Billy Sunday was approached one time, and he was told, when you preach, you're offensive. And he said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you rub the cat the wrong way. You rub his fur the wrong way. And Billy Sunday said, tell the cat to turn around. Kindness means we're not easily offended and we're not thick-skinned. In the long haul, people may reject and say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with your church. I don't want to do any, anything to do with Christ. But in the long haul, God may use acts of kindness to touch somebody's heart. To speak to someone when you don't have time. To stop and do something when you don't have time. Acts of kindness may be what God uses to touch somebody's hard, cold heart that has been treated the wrong way by somebody who called themselves a Christian. It needs to show up in how we treat the people that serve us. It needs to show up in how we treat strangers. It needs to show up in how we treat our family. It needs to show up in what we say on social media. It just needs to show up. Now, <clears throat> knowing how the mind works, here's what somebody in this room may be thinking. Well, they don't deserve it. And you may be right. And you may could give 50 reasons why they don't deserve it. But by the way, could I give you one reason why you should do it? Because you didn't deserve the kindness of God to show you the love of Jesus and to convict your heart when you are a lost sinner and brought you to Christ for salvation and forgiveness and for grace. You didn't deserve that act of kindness. None of us did. There's nobody in this room, whatever we might think about ourselves, that deserved salvation. God was kind. It is his kindness, the scripture says, that leads us to repentance. Listen, if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Christ, can I tell you something? God's been kind to not take you out at this point and let you spend eternity in a hell that you deserve. He's let you be here today to give you one more chance to come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and find the love of Christ poured out on your heart and on your life in forgiveness, unmerited grace and mercy and forgiveness on your heart. He's been kind to leave you so that you can hear and know and respond to the message and the love of Jesus Christ. Kindness is a way that we exhibit love. Sometimes it's a way we just exhibit. We got a little bit of class. Proverbs 3.27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Don't withhold it from those when it is within your power to do it. Kindness is speaking with compassion and grace 
to someone. It's being merciful, not manipulative. It's being helpful, not haughty. Now, here's what it doesn't mean. Kindness doesn't mean that you're a pushover, that you just anybody in the world can come push you around. That's not what kindness means. It does mean you turn the other cheek, you go the second mile, but you need discernment. You need discernment, and the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you discernment whether someone is trying to take advantage of you and make you a pushover or whether this is a moment that God has given you to show grace and mercy and kindness to someone. There's a difference in kindness prompted by the Spirit and you responding to every guilt trip somebody lays on you. And people are good at laying on guilt trips, aren't they? Your family is especially good at laying on guilt trips. Or the people you work with or people you go to school with. Because they'll say something or ask you for something. And then when you do not feel any sense from the Lord that you ought to do that. And then they say, well, I thought you were a Christian. And then they give you that judgmental look. Which is, by the way, affirmation that you shouldn't have done it. Because they wouldn't have received it. They wouldn't have had an open door to receive it into their hearts. By the way, the kindest thing you can ever do for anybody is to tell them that Jesus loves them and died for them and gave his life so they could have salvation. That's the kindest thing you can ever do for anybody. It's better than giving them $20. Because $20 they can spend. You give them Jesus... You've given them a life. The second kindest thing you can ever do for anybody is to pray for them. One of the kindest things you can ever do. Now, how many times have we told somebody we'd pray for them and then we didn't? Somebody says something to us in church on Sunday. You say, hey, I've got this coming up this week. Pray for me. say, I'll pray for you. And then you, you don't even think about it again until you see them the next week. So if we're going to be a praying church that loves God and grows together and serves others and changes the world, let me give you a suggestion on how we do that. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, I'm going through this. Would you pray for me? Just say, yeah, let's stop and pray right now. I'll pray for you, and then why don't you pray for me? And just stop and pray. You say, well, we're in the middle of church. I mean, we're in the middle of the aisle. We're standing out in the atrium. That's okay. You'll be a witness to somebody. The kindest thing you can do is tell somebody about Jesus. The second kindest thing you can do is to pray for somebody when they've asked you to pray for them. You see, when I pray for somebody, I'm showing kindness. When I serve somebody, I'm showing kindness. When I share the gospel, I'm showing kindness. It's an act of love. It's an outreach of our hearts. The response of goodness Kindness and goodness are heart issues. Goodness is only found 13 times in the Greek version of the Old Testament, only three times in the New Testament, other than the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Goodness is closely tied to being pure in heart. Goodness, then, is a transparent quality of the transformed believer. 2 Thessalonians 2.17 Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. 
Romans 15, 14. I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Now turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And I want you to see this story that Jesus is telling about good and bad. Because it's important for us to understand goodness. We show goodness by who we are. But we also show it by what we do. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And verse 43. Luke 6. In verse 43. Now this says a word about people that are good for selfish reasons. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man... Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. In other words, what we say, how we live, what we do speaks from either our hearts are good or our hearts are evil. He speaks out of the good of his heart. Now, most people would say, I want to be good, but not too good. Or, I want to be good, but not all the time. And the reason we would say that is because we've lost our sense of right and wrong. We've lost our sense of good and bad. We've lost our moral fiber. We've lost our moral compass. Today, we decide what's good by situational ethics. And by whether the situation dictates that I can be good based on my preferences of what good might be. But if you don't have a sense of right and wrong, then you don't have a sense of goodness. Why is our culture in such a mess? Because we're taking the Ten Commandments down and we're not teaching kids the difference between right and wrong. And when you don't know what right and wrong looks like, you do not know what goodness looks like. You can't know good if you don't know right. You can't know wrong if you don't know evil. You can't know goodness if you don't know what's right and wrong. In today's world, good is usually what makes me happy? If it makes me happy, it must be good or what I can get away with. But according to the Bible, good is a character trait of God. God is good. It is a character trait of God. It is a character trait of the believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here's what will frustrate you is when you begin to define goodness in the wrong way. Now that can show up in four ways. Only one of these is the right way. Choosing evil but calling it good. You say, well, nobody does that. Uh-huh. But I'll give you an extreme example. Hitler trying to annihilate the Jews because he thought it was good for Germany. When you call killing six million people because they're Jewish by origin, good, you're a sick man. Calling evil good. 
Secondly, choosing to define good on our terms. Well, it may not be good for you, but it's good for me. But goodness is goodness. It's not goodness if it's good for you, but not for me, or for me and not for you. It's on our own terms. That's situational ethics. Choosing to appear good, but lacking the inner quality. That's hypocrites. They appeared to be good. But Jesus said they were like whitewashed tombs. And of their father, the devil. Now he said this about people that would put us to shame with their religion. And the world is full of religion. But choosing to appear good, but not really being good, being hypocritical. But the right one is to choose to be good as God defines goodness. As God defines goodness. Now listen. Being good is not going to get you into heaven. That's works. It might get you a plaque. It might get you a watch when you retire. It might get you a recognition. It might get something named after you. But being good is not going to get you into heaven. And there, there's none that are good. We are all in our hearts depraved and evil and sinners in need of a Savior. Goodness has to come from God. And the only way we know how to be good is to know God. Because God teaches us what goodness is. Biblically, goodness is a desire to be upright. It flows from the Spirit. It's a character trait of God. Matthew 19, 16. God is good. God does, just doesn't do good things he is by his nature good. What does goodness look like? Well, there's a verse in your notes, Acts 11:24. Barnabas was called a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Now, why was Barnabas considered good? In the book of Acts, we find out that Barnabas did whatever he could do to advance the gospel. He encouraged people. He gave away his wealth. He walked in the power of the Spirit. Barnabas was an encourager to other people. You want to be a good person? Be an encourager to somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, one of the ways you study a word in the Bible is you find words that are related to it. And one of the words that's related to goodness is righteousness. And righteousness is related to words like justice and right actions. So if I'm going to be good, I'm going to be righteous in Christ, and I'm going to have the right actions toward other people. Goodness is not a matter of my head. It is a matter of my heart. Is my heart inclined to be good to people because God's been good to me? One author wrote, One of the reasons why the church does not do a better in winning people to Christ is that many folks see Christians as basically selfish. They note the absence of Christians in certain areas of life, such as politics and peacemaking ventures, and wonder why, if Christ makes people stronger and better, these Christians aren't more involved in life. You see, being kind and being good means you just can't stay behind your doors, triple bolt your lock, turn on your alarm, and hope that the world just doesn't bother you. 
Being kind and good means you've got to be in the world but not of the world so that the world can see us in the world but not of it and know the difference that Christ makes in us and through us because he's changed us from the inside. So how do we nurture goodness in our hearts? First of all, fill your mind with the word. Fill your mind with the word. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day. 31 chapters, 31 days, or 30, you can figure that out. But read a chapter of Proverbs. Read the Psalms. Read the Gospels. Fill your mind with the Word of God. God has specific commands and general directions that He wants us to go in. But we fill our minds with the Word. How do I be kind? I let the Word dictate what I need to do. I get in a situation and God brings to mind a truth that I've either memorized or I've just read. God brings a word to my heart out of his word and out of that word I respond with the mind of Christ not with the mind of whatever I want to do in whatever way I want to do it. Secondly, follow the lead of biblical examples. Follow the lead of biblical examples. Now, it's a little short book just before the book of Revelation, but turn to 3 John. There's only one chapter. Turn to 3 John because I want you to see a man that's mentioned. The Bible mentions people like Barnabas, which we've already talked about, and Gaius, who is mentioned in 3 John, as people that showed kindness and gentleness. This, he's a great example of what kindness and gentleness and goodness and patience and love and joy and peace looks like. He's a good man. Truth, the word truth, and you can do this on your own time, the word truth appears seven times in this short letter. So this is a word about truth, not just a word about this man, but it's a word about the truth that he lived out. He, he wanted people to hear the gospel. The Bible puts kindness and goodness together. They have a lot in common. And one of the things that kindness and goodness have in common is a generous heart. It's a generous heart that God makes us giving in our thinking, in our living, in our choices. We become generous because God has been generous in his love for us. Verse 8, Gaius was committed to the gospel. Verse 8, fellow workers with the truth. He didn't just give money so that somebody could share the... He did it. He was a fellow worker with John. Now to be in a group of people that are named by the Apostle John is a pretty impressive list to be in. He invested in the kingdom... His goodness brought joy to others. I was very glad, when, verse 3, when brethren came and testified to our truth. That little word came in verse 3 is a present participle. It means they kept coming over and over. What John was getting from everybody he met that knew Gaius was, they just every time they talk about him, they talk about him doing the right thing. They talk about him being the right kind of person. They talk about his right attitude, his right spirit, his right actions. His reputation was a testimony to others. 
David Jeremiah said, if you hold on to what God has given you, you have barely enough to meet your needs. If you open your hand and give it away, God will keep putting it back in your hand again and again. Now, Gaius may have had some physical problems, but he was spiritually healthy. Goodness and faithfulness were a part of his life. Look at verse 5. You are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren. Verse 11. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Goodness is never self-centered. Remember, there's going to come a day, according to the Gospel of Matthew, when people are going to stand before God, and God's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're going to say, well, we did this, and we did this, and we did this. And, but they didn't visit when they were in prison, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that. And Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Can I just say that how you treat people that you think are that you think emphasize on think are beneath you is how you're treating Jesus. If you think anybody is beneath you, then that's what you think about Jesus. Because every person is formed in the image of God. Some of them don't know it yet. Some of them have not found the truth that sets them free. But how you treat the least and the lost says a lot about what you and I think about Jesus. John Wesley was asked how he lived, and he said, I live by this one creed. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. i just leave that on the screen for a minute. You want to know what your homework assignment is for this week? It's that right there. It's mine too. That's my homework assignment. For when I walk off the church grounds and take my church clothes off and go to work, go to school, see my family, go out to eat, meet a waitress, meet somebody on the streets, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's a good creed. Now, Baptists are not creedal people, but can I tell you something? That wouldn't be a bad way for people to remember you. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. So as you've been listening to this message, has someone come to your mind and to your heart that you need to be kind to or good to? Has some situation come up or do you know you're going to face a situation this week that's going to require kindness and goodness? What is it that you need to adjust today, right now?
Maybe you're here today and you're lost and without Christ. And today is a day of salvation. The Bible says today is the day and now is the accepted time. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. There's none of us that is good and righteous on our own. No, not one. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so today may be your day to come to Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Our men are going to be at the end of these aisles. When we stand up in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to step out. If you need to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to step out on the very first note, the very first verse, and come down and find one of these men and say, Today, I need to trust Christ. God has been good to me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. God has been good to me, and I need to respond to His goodness by asking Him to save me today. But maybe there's going to have to be a little attitude adjustment in all of us about kindness and goodness. Because you know what you deal with. You know who you deal with. You know what life is like. And it's easy to just bow up and to just get hard and to become cynical and jaded. But that's not who the believer is supposed to be. Sometimes we need to be kind and good to the people that we think least deserve it because that may be the divine encounter that qualifies your testimony with that person. Who is it? What is it? Where is it that you need to show kindness and goodness with your heart and with your life today, this week? Father, we can't do this. It is not in our fallen nature. It is not in our DNA of our flesh to be kind and good. But it is empowered in us by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that your kind Holy Spirit would guide people down this aisle today to respond to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to come to this altar, to do business with you today in these moments. In Jesus' name, would you stand? Heads are bowed. Christians are praying. You step out and you come right now.